withhold anything from you. I don't want to hold back any part of my life, any part of anything that you've put in my hand, Lord. In Jesus' name. You know, it's interesting. We, we sing the song, and it's, it's beautiful. It's fitting. It's right. It's scriptural. But if you do a word search, the word surrender is not in the Bible. Some of you are going, really? It's not in there. I was singing a song one day, I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior. I was really stirred. And the Lord was dealing with me. I went and started. I'm going to start studying the scripture. I'm going to start studying surrender. I started studying and it didn't take long. The word surrender is not in there. It was a short Bible study. When we say we surrender, what we're really expressing, if we're expressing it in terms of the scripture, is I'm saying, I submit. I submit to you. I'm submitting all to you. We make this statement. We're like, man, you know what? I'll give you an example of that word. We often think of submit, submit, come under. Okay, I'm submitting, you know. Coming under does apply. It's not a thumb thing with God. But it's also, it's like, you know, I think I'm going to do this thing. But before I do it, I think I'm going to submit this to God and see what he has to say about it. To submit is to bring ourselves under subjection. My plans, my ideas, my will. I'm submitting my will to the Lord. That means giving up my will, or if I have a direction, I'm going to submit it to you, Lord, and is, is this in alignment with what you want? If not, then, okay, we're going to shelve that. And so the word surrender scripturally is to submit to the Lord. And it's a powerful place. It's not a place of, oh, woe is me. It's a place of victory. Now, getting there is woe is me because it's dying to myself. But, man, the other side of that is resurrection and life. The adversary wants to keep you on the losing and not realizing if a man loses his life, then he finds it. Submitting is the beginning of victory. For the joy that was set before him, the Lord endured the cross. He saw victory on the other side of submission to the will of God. Amen? Praise God. You can be seated. I want to share a few other things with you this morning. Thank you, Brother John Stone, for sharing the word of the Lord with us this morning. I There's something turning in my heart, in my spirit. And uh, I'll be quick, I think. Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. Brother Johnstone referenced multiple times the Lord speaking to Peter and Peter obeying the spoken word. And then the Lord speaking again and Peter's failure in between those two times. 
the fulfillment of the spoken word. I want you to watch this. Genesis chapter 12, verse number 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of your country, and from your kindred, and from your father's house, unto a land that I will show you. And I will make, now watch, the Lord said this, and then the Lord begins to speak a promise. It's the first time the Lord spoke this promise to Abraham, not the last. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless you, and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless you, curse him that curses you, and in you shall all families of the earth be blessed. Wow, what a promise. So, verse 4, Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. And Lot went with him, and Abram was 75 years old when he departed out of Haran. Anybody here 75? No. Okay. Now turn with me to Genesis 21. Genesis 21. Genesis 21 and verse number 1. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. That could just as easily say, the Lord fulfilled his word. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age at the set time. Everybody say, at the set time. Of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare to him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac, being eight days old, as God had commanded him. Verse number five. And Abraham was an hundred Years old. Anybody here a hundred? No. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. Hmm. I want you to pray with me right now. The Lord is getting ready to release faith into some of your spirits. And if you'll open your heart to receive, he is going to impart faith. Something you thought you did not have faith for, God is about to impart faith afresh right now. Come on, let's pray. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I'll receive of your word, Lord. Faith that comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. We trust in you for what you desire to do and what you will impart. It is not a work of man lest we would boast, but a work of your spirit. 
and your word. And so today, God, we submit ourselves to receive of your word that you would put into our spirit. I pray let go forth a quickening word into the vessel for which it's prepared to accomplish that for which you send it. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Abraham was 75 when God spoke to him. He was 100 when God did what he said he was going to do. Mathematicians, how long is that? How long? 25 years from when God said he would do it until God did it. How many of you like waiting for two hours for something? Malia said. Malia works at Sonic. They don't like waiting 10 minutes for something. They start complaining if they don't get your food out in time. Is that right, Malia? Right. How many of you like waiting two weeks for something? My family and I, we were supposed to go to Hawaii back in May when my son graduated college. That all got kiboshed. So we've been waiting. Nobody likes waiting. I see Carlos's jacket and I'm thinking, man, I'd like to be there. Especially with snow out there. We don't like waiting. And our human nature, what happens is if we've waited too long, we finally just sort of go, eh, you know, whatever. God spoke to Abraham, and it was 25 years until God did what he said he was going to do. God didn't forget. We read it in chapter 21. When God performed his word, it was at the set time. God had a time for the fulfillment of the promise. The time was when Abraham finally got to a place where he couldn't do it on his own. So God would clearly get the credit for what he did. Now you notice something else that happened between chapter 12 and chapter 21. His name changed. Something happened in the 25 years of time. That the man's identity changed. His makeup changed. Everything changed in 25 years. And all of it was preparing for the fulfillment of the word of God at a set time. I'm telling somebody this morning. God has spoken things to you. And it may be years but what God has begun, he will complete. He that hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of the Lord. We have his word to stand on. God said, Abraham acted according to what God said. And 25 years later, God did what he said. Now, in the middle of that, Abraham made a mistake. Anybody ever made a mistake? I'm not looking, but everybody's hand should be up. We've all made mistakes. 
Anybody ever made a mistake trying to live for God? Trying to do something for God? Abraham wanted God's word to come true in his life. And so Abraham decided to act in his human will to produce the will of God. And that never works. Because then Abraham could say, I did it. And so he makes this mistake. He has a child to prove it named Ishmael. And he's living. And here's what Abraham does. He begins to pray and ask God to do what he said he would do. But he says, would you do it with Ishmael? God, would you bless what I did to fulfill your word? Some of us do that. And the Lord says, nope. Matter of fact, you can read a little bit later about Abraham taking Isaac up to the mountain to offer him for a sacrifice. The Lord, when he came to Abraham and told him to do that, the Lord said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac. God did not even recognize Ishmael as Abraham's son. Why? Because he was speaking to Abraham of spiritual things. And Ishmael was born of the flesh. And that which is born of flesh is flesh. But when he was speaking of Isaac, Isaac was the child of promise. What does that mean, the child of promise? He was the fulfillment of the promise of God. And the promise of God was going to flow through Isaac. And so he said, take now your promise, your only promise, son, and offer him to me. 25 years from the word of God till the fulfillment. Friday night was nice. You like Friday? Anybody like Friday nights? We were blessed Friday night. Brother John Stone was in our home. Uh, Brother Renee Sr. and Jr. and all the siblings, Nemo and Camille and Sapphire. Had them all in our house. We had way too much food. If you want some, get my daughter afterwards. There's still plenty left. We were sitting at the dinner table. And... Uh, my Spanish isn't so good, but I was practicing, and they were enduring, putting up with it. And I asked Renee Sr. and Alma, which is Renee Jr.'s wife, or mom, mom and dad, I asked them where they were from in Mexico. And uh, they told me, they said they were from San Blas. When they said that, I, 
I felt a check for a moment in the spirit. And I thought, no. And this is my human nature. I thought, you know, there's probably more than one San Blas. You know, there's like, that's probably a common, you know, they got San everything down there, right? We got San Diego, San Francisco, San Blas, San, you know, maybe, it, you know, I probably confuse things. Maybe, maybe San Blanco, San Blas, San Blah, Blah, I don't know, right? But I thought, no. I, I grabbed my phone right there at the table. I know, rude, right? But I, I wanted to know. I, and so I sent a text to my dad and said, hey, what knowledge do you have or what connection does our family have to San Blas? And I didn't expect him to respond right away, and he didn't. And uh, so we talked about fishing because it's a port city. And we talked about Red Snapper, and Renee still can't remember how to say it in Spanish, so I'll throw it at him so he can try to remember Washinga or something like that. Uh, but we talked about red snapper and dorado and different fish and and how uh, Rene Sr. was would fish and get coconuts and things there in San Blas. And, but they moved here 24 years ago when, when big muscular Rene was eight months little Rene. I figure at eight months he was probably about that tall. I'm not trying to pick on them if... Forgive me, I'm not trying to, I love you, Renee, you know that, okay, 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 okay. Uh, But he was just eight months old. You guys doing okay? You, You still with me? Okay. My dad responded yesterday afternoon. And his communication was this. What can I tell you about the place that I spent the first 12 years of my life every summer as a child? You understand, I've never heard about my dad's childhood because my dad and I were separated when I was five. And didn't get together again until I was 18 was the first time we ever reconnected there was a 13 year gap with no communication at all so he says what can I tell you about the place I spent the first 12 years of my life every summer as a child your aunt Mary has a lot on the beach there on Playa Borregos and there's the fort up on the hill the customs house And he sent me three pictures, one overlooking the city of San Blas and one of the custom house on the hill with the rock fortress and the cannons. He said, ask your friend about Matanchan and La Tobada. It'll bring back some memories for him. So I did. I sent these messages to Renee in English so he could talk to his dad. And this dialogue ensues via text. 
I begin to learn of his family. Of an uncle named Felipe Sotelo. There in San Blas. And of his grandfather, if I remember correct, Jose Sotelo. In San Blas, that owned the only island in San Blas called La Isla del Rey, which for those of you that don't speak Spanish, that's the Isle of the King. And he told of Matanchan and La Tavara and Playa de los Cocos and Las Islitas and these places. And he, he's, I'm getting this, and I, I can't explain to you what started happening in my spirit. Brother Rene, senior, it began opening something in my spirit. He shared with Rene, who texted me, of where the Lord brought them, the, the woman that came and won him to the Lord and many of his mom's family to the Lord there. I shared all this stuff with my dad. I shared it all with my dad. My dad said, San Blas is the last place we had a family reunion, the last time we had a family reunion together for his mother's side of the family. It was in San Blas. Now, I know you're all sitting here going, okay, this is sort of neat, but what does San Blas have to do with Abraham? And Well, bear with me. About 22 and a half, 23 years ago in Puyallup. Uh, some of you heard me tell some of these stories, but maybe it'll help you connect the dots. Bishop and I, we knew God had given both of us a heart for Spanish-speaking people. You'd think we would have learned to speak Spanish. And... It was about 23 years ago that you've heard me tell the story one Saturday morning, Bishop and I, after prayer at the church, the two of us left the church. We thought we're going to go find some Spanish speaking people. <laughs> we knew God was dealing with us. We'd been praying about it. So we thought, well, let's just go find some human beings like you and I just that speak a different language. So. Him and I, this, this is so crazy. And can you believe we would do this? Well, you probably can. So he and I, I'm sure in our slacks and our button-up shirts, we're like, well, we can find Spanish-speaking people. And we were looking for people from Mexico. This, we, this I knew. Well, we can find them if we go to the fields. That's what we thought. So on a Saturday morning after prayer in our slacks and our button-up shirts, Bishop and I get in a car and we drive to a strawberry field in Puyallup. And there were people out there working. We saw the cars and we saw people been over going through. The, we're like, here we go. They must have thought we were crazy. We pull up out there. We get out of the car. And I don't know when it dawned on us that we don't speak Spanish. So we're not sure what we're going to do here. We're just trusting God. I don't remember anything that happened out of that deal. We talked to a few people in some broken whatever. They probably just thought, okay, local. 
And we left. You see, we, we knew God was dealing with us about this. We just couldn't produce it. For weeks, maybe months, the Lord would deal with me in prayer for Mexico. I, at one point, I bought a three foot by four foot map of Mexico that I could put on the wall in the room where I prayed. I would walk state by state, Brother Johnstone, Oaxaca, Jalisco, Nadarit. I would go state by state, city by city, for many of the cities that were there. And I would pray for the people of Mexico. It wasn't out of my goodness, you understand. It was something the Lord was doing in my heart. It was something here. I wasn't trying to produce something. I just knew God was dealing with my heart. For the people of Mexico. My wife can tell you we were certain we were going to go. We were going to go be missionaries, if you will, in Mexico. That we were sure it was so strong in our spirit. The map stayed on the wall for several years. But early in that season, I would go to prayer. And the Lord would take me into intercession And in a place of intercessory prayer, the Lord would allow me to see a picture. And in this picture, I would be standing on a cliff. And there was a huge space and a cliff on the other side. And this deep, deep chasm, you couldn't see the bottom between the two cliffs. And on the other side was a mass of people that covered. You couldn't see any ground, only the edge of the cliff. There was a mass of people, and they were all Mexican people. To me, they were the nation of Mexico. And they would walk, and they would just walk off the cliff. (laughs) Walk off the cliff into the chasm. I visited the pyramids outside of Mexico City. It was there that the Aztecs would take children to the top of the pyramids and people would sacrifice them to their God. I've stood on the tops of those pyramids. But I, in that place of intercession, watching those people I would just begin to pray. And as long as I yielded to the Spirit in prayer, that mass of humanity would stop walking. I mean, I saw it in my as I'm praying. I would just watch it happen. And so as long as I would pray and intercede, as long as the Spirit of God would move on me to pray, they would stop and stand still. At times, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not patting myself on the back or acting like I've done anything. Please don't read this the wrong way. But if I would be weary in intercession and stop praying as long as I saw the picture, they would begin walking again right over the edge. And so I would begin to pray again. 
And I learned, because this went on for quite some time, I learned whenever the Lord brought that picture to my spirit in prayer, I had to pray until he took the picture back away. Because when I stopped praying, they would begin walking off again. I don't know how many years we prayed for the people of Mexico. I don't know. But then it was done. The burden wasn't as great. I don't know. I've spent more time praying for Italy probably in the last quite a few years than I have Mexico. Just because of God's leading. I've made multiple trips to Mexico. As you know, I've made multiple trips to Italy. We came here and 15 years ago and began working with many of you that are Spanish speaking, but you speak English, so, you know. I, I sort of, I don't know, sort of out of my mind, it sort of went out of my mind. I didn't forget, you know what I mean? It's just time passes. It was earlier this year, I woke up one morning, pretty early, and it doesn't always happen to me like this, but I woke up in prayer. I mean, when I, it was I, like I went from a dream to awake, but I was praying in the dream and praying when I woke up. And because of that, I knew I was praying for Sandra. Many of you know Sister Sandra Sanchez and Alex, the sisters. And I was praying for her dad. His name is Jose Luis Sanchez. He lives in Mattawa. He's the one that the Rodriguez have been going to Mattawa and teaching this Bible study to. I was praying for him. I was so moved in the Holy Ghost that I reached out to Brother Lewis and said, are you guys going to Mattawa tonight? It happened to be on the day they go. And he said, yeah, we are. I said, I want to go with you. I want to teach. I want Sandra to go with us and nobody else. I just want to talk to her family. Can you have her see if her whole family can be there? I went... As we were driving to Mattawa, you know, there's not much between here and there. Moxie. I honk when I go through Moxie. It's because the Escaleras live there, and I want them to know I'm going by. As we were driving there, we were talking about, I was sharing with them how I'd woke up in prayer and sharing it with Sandra for the first time as we're riding. She was riding with us. We all rode together. As I'm telling her about waking up about and praying that for her father, praying for her father. Seemingly out of nowhere, but it was the spirit of God. For the first time in years, I don't know how many years. Years, 15 or more. 
for the first time in years, that picture came back into my spirit. Of the cliffs and the people. And under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, I said to Sandra, your dad is significant to this. I don't know how. But there's something there. She's like, okay. <laughs> but what the Lord has been doing in her dad is nothing short of remarkable. It was the, we taught a Bible study that night. It was the very next night that praying in the living room, her sister Alex was filled with the Holy Ghost there in the home. The Bible study that I taught them that night in their home Sister Sandra said, Brother Hart, yesterday after church, and I didn't teach them the Bible study. I didn't teach what I'd preached the day before. So it was a separate deal. But she said, yesterday after church, when I went and visited my family, I told them about the Bible study that you taught them Monday night. I told them about it yesterday. And then you came here and taught it tonight. That was earlier this year. At the beginning of this year, I did not know the Sotelo family. I definitely did not know of any connections to San Blas. But I recognize in the spirit something that God started. 20-something years ago. Just in the last few weeks. And something significant since Friday and yesterday. Has been opened in the spirit. And what God started 20-something years ago in my life. And what he started 24, 5 years ago or more in this family. Something is shifting in the spirit. And the word of God never fails. Abraham, I don't care if you were 75 years old when I told you. And 25 years has gone by. Or 24 years has gone by. One more year, Abraham. Your promise is coming. I haven't forgotten a word that I've spoken haven't forgotten anything I told you I would do. My word and my promise is as sure today as it was when I spoke it to you 20-something years ago. Someone please hear today. What God says he will do, he will do. And if we have to wait 25 years for him to do it, he will do it. He has a set time. I believe completely that 20-something years ago, when God had me praying for the people of Mexico, I believe he saw 
our two families sitting together in my home Friday night. You say, what does that mean? I don't know. What's going to happen? I don't know. But I recognize something from a word 20 years ago is being fulfilled right now. It's being fulfilled. In what way? I don't know. I don't have to know. Do you think Abraham, when he found out Sarah was pregnant and when Isaac was born, do you think he knew, oh, this is what's going to happen. Isaac's going to have a son, and his son's going to have 12 sons, and that's going to be, do you think he knew all that? He didn't know all that. He just knew this is the fulfillment of promise. This indicator right here, this is the beginning of the word that God gave me. And I'm telling somebody, or maybe I'm just preaching to myself. There is a beginning of a word that is promised from God. But I don't see it all. I don't care if I see it all. All I have to see is just an indicator. An indicator. And for me, I'm telling you, for me, San Blas was some indicator. I don't know what it means, but it's an indicator to my spirit. And I'm going to that city. I'm going to that city. When, I don't know. How, I don't know. Where, but I'm going. Is it all about that city? Oh, I don't think so. Joseph, when he was young, had a dream. In his dream, he saw all the sheaves of a field bowing to him. In another dream, he saw the stars and the sun and the moon bowing to him. His family recognized what he was saying. They said, will we bow to you? He went from there. His brothers sought to destroy him. Sold him into Egypt. Into Potiphar's house. He tried to do the right thing. Tried to continue to walk with integrity. Sought to walk with integrity. Potiphar's wife lied about him. Had him cast into prison. I don't know if he dismissed the dream, wrote it off. Maybe that wasn't God. Maybe it was just, uh, maybe I just ate some bad food. He's in prison. And at God's set time. God's set time. He brought Joseph out of the prison and put him in what he'd prepared him for. He had prepared him for that time. There was preparation for a time. I believe this is why the scripture teaches us not to despise the day of small things. There is a preparing that takes place through those small things. And, and you and I prove faithful in the little things. He makes you ruler over many. 
what we have to understand is whether faithful over a few things or ruler over many, the things are never mine. They're always his. I'm just faithful over them or I'm ruling over them, but they're always his. And so when he orders your life, he orders it according to his word and his set time. You see, the word of God for Joseph, it was bigger than just Joseph. If God would have brought Joseph out of the prison when he appealed to the cupbearer to remember him, if the Lord would have brought him out, it would have been, or it would have been three years too early. And three years too early, he would have got his release. He probably would have just went back down to where mom and dad were. But it wasn't God's time. He thought he was in captivity. He was just in holding. He was just in holding for God's time. How long? I don't know, Joseph, but you got to trust God's word. God's word. He just has you in holding till a set time. Till a set time. You understand? It's a set time he has preordained. If Joseph would have came out sooner, it would have cost his entire family. But at the set time, it was because he gave a dream to the king. And there were seven good years coming. And then seven years of famine. And Joseph's placement was about the saving of his family. It wasn't just about Joseph. The word of God that you hold on to in faith. It's not just about you. And so be willing to wait. Be willing to declare the word of God in faith. God, you said, and so I believe. You said, so I believe. Stand with me. I had a young man that I had spoken to I was traveling not too long ago, and we visited for a few hours. In our visit, there were some things shared. He was very vague by design, and I appreciated it. We both understood he was going to be vague, leave out details and names and stuff, because he was not wanting to hurt anyone. And, and if he were to share names and details, I would know the people. And so uh, it, it's a young man not connected to Life Church other than a connection through me and my family. And uh, he's a man of God. Well, he's sharing these things with me, and I began to talk to him. And as I began to talk to him, there began to be a flow of the Spirit of God. And I recognized God was giving him some answers, was giving me some answers, things I didn't. Usually revelation comes when you're in the flow of the Spirit, not because God gave it to you beforehand, but He can do it beforehand. But 
It's been ongoing since that day these last few months, and I got a text message from him yesterday. He had found an article from probably, I don't know, I didn't remember the date, probably 30, 40 years ago. He found the newspaper article that had been written about his grandfather. I mean, it was a full page, like four-column article. It was quite detailed. His grandfather had died. And this story walked through all his grandfather had done in his life where he was. He said, it's a lengthy read, and it's hard to read in this format, but maybe if you have time, I don't have any expectations of you. I read it this morning early, in place of prayer. And as I was reading it, there were some things that began to jump out of that article to me. And I sent a message back to this young man. And I made a statement that I don't know that I've ever made before this morning in this way. I said, you need to begin to pray for things that are not as though they are. Understand, I don't mean pray like you're asking for them. Pray for things that are not as though they are. How do I do that? I do that based on my faith in the word of God. Abraham made a mistake between the word of God and the fulfillment of the word of God. A significant mistake. He violated the plan of God. God didn't say, fine, forget it. I'm done with you. Kick him to the curb. You know what the scripture says about Abraham? In Hebrews. It says... Abraham staggered not at the promises of God. But he figured that God could raise Isaac from the dead after he killed him because Abraham was a promise. I'm paraphrasing, but go read it. But it also says this about Abraham. Abraham believed God. What did he believe? He believed what God told him. But watch, that's not where it stops. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. What does that mean? I'll tell you what it means. Abraham got a word from God at 75 years old. He made a mistake trying to produce the word of God. He failed. But just because he failed, he didn't stop believing the word of God. And so because he continued believing the word of God, the Bible says God counted that to him for righteousness. Righteousness. 
Abraham, when you made your mistake, that was not in right relationship with me. You made that mistake, Abraham, but that was your doing. That wasn't me. You were out of right relationship when you made that mistake. But because you've continued to believe my word, even after your mistake, your belief is righteousness. Your belief of my word has brought you back in right relationship with me. The fact that you don't doubt my word, that's enough for me, Abraham. I'm bringing you back in right relation. And your belief of my word is righteousness for you. Would you talk to the Lord right now? I know I'm sort of moving slowly, but I feel the Spirit of God speaking into lives today. Come on, some of you, you thought, well, we're just another person. Nobody knows our name. We're just sort of, I'm telling you right now in the Holy Ghost, God saw you before you ever made a connection in his body. He saw you before you were where you are today. He saw you here today. He saw the relationship. He saw the contact. He saw the connection. He saw. He knows. It's in his plan. He has a set time. He has an ordained word. And I'll stand on the word of God, even if I don't understand how, even if I can't see how, I'm going to pray in faith. I'm going to declare things that are not as though they are because of the word of God that is forever settled. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, you need to lay hold of the word of God for your loved one. And you need to speak it as though it is. You need to lay hold of the word of God that he's given you for a situation and speak it as though it is. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Watch this. Joseph... Had a promise from God. And I'm finishing here. Joseph had a promise from God. That he would return to the land of his fathers. He had this word. God never intended for Israel. To stay in Goshen in Egypt. And so Joseph had the word of the Lord that he would return to Canaan, the land of his fathers. But Joseph got old. Time went by. Joseph finds himself in Goshen on his deathbed. He hasn't returned. I want you to notice some of Joseph's last words. He took his family. He said, listen to me. God's going to take you all out of here. I have a word from God I haven't seen yet. 
But God said it. And he's taking you out of here back to the land of our fathers. And I'm about to die. But that word's for me too. And so when he does this, when God does what he said he's going to do, don't you leave my bones here. Take my bones with you. You bury me there when God does what he said he's going to do. If God doesn't do it while I'm living, he'll do it when I'm gone. However, he fulfills his promise to me. That's his business. Whether it's in this life or with my bones after I'm gone, I'm not going to stop believing the word of God. Take my bones when God does this. I'm telling somebody in the Holy Ghost, there is a word that God's given you. And you may have stopped believing. You may struggle to see it to come to pass. But I'm going to tell you what I've got going on in my spirit. I've got faith that says if I pass from this life and I don't see it, I'm going to tell my children about it. I'm going to tell my children about it. And I want them to know i got promises that haven't happened yet. So you make sure you hold on to them. Because this is the word from God. And if God said it, he will do it. Even if I pass from this life, his word will not pass. I would today that the word of God would quicken in your spirit afresh and anew. That what he said he will do. What he said he will perform. In the name of Jesus Christ, according to your word, so be it, Father. According to your word, in the set time. This is what I believe and identify with in my spirit. The only way I know to describe it is like dominoes. I believe with where we are in time that the word of God that he has spoken through the ages that at the close of time which I believe we are standing right there the Lord like I said this is just how I can picture it in my spirit I don't think he's got dominoes but I see the Lord going, okay, now is the set time. And he flips that one domino. When he does, all of the word of God spoke through time. All of the word of God and the promises of God. You know what the word says? The promises of God are in him, yea, 
and amen. Yes, and it is settled. I just realize this right now. The promises of God are in him. Who's him? Who's him? Jesus Christ. I have a question. Who is the body of Jesus Christ in the earth? All the promises of God are in him. All the promises of God are in him. All the promises of God are in him. You're the body of Christ. All the promises of God are in him. Yes, and it is settled. Yes, and it is settled. Yes, and it is settled. That's the word of the Lord. All the promises of God are in him. Why don't you just begin to thank him? Why don't you begin to declare those things that are not as though they are? Because all the promises of God are in him. Yes, and amen. Hallelujah.